Welcome to Wisco Dice. Welcome to Wisco Dice. Welcome to Wisco Dice. Hey, yo, folks, it's your host, the Cones with the Most. I am joined by my two illustrious co-hosts. Hey, Brian, what's going on? Not much. going pretty good. We're getting to talk about some games tonight. Excellent. And how about you, Justin? What's going on over there in your neck of the woods? Not much, man. Just excited to be on my second ever episode of Wisco Dice. And we're excited to have you, too. All right, on today's episode, we're going to talk about the games we have been playing. We're going to catch up on where Brian and Ben are on working on their miniature hobby. And then for our big main topic, we're going to get into Board Game Arena, an online tabletop gaming platform, and let, it, let you know what our thoughts are and cue you in on some cool games that you can check out if you haven't tried any online gaming, as well as those of you that are veteran gamers, some of our top picks for uh, the, you as well. Now let's dive into our first topic. Now we talked about last episode, we had a contest for all of you guys out there listening to shoot you over our your questions for Justin. And we poured through those questions and we picked one of them that we wanted to mention on this episode from uh, Meg A Million. Uh, who would fire this over to us on Instagram. Hi, Justin. What is your favorite two-player board game? Hi, Mega Billion. <laughs> uh, so my favorite two-player board game right now is Seven Wonders Duel. I won't say too much about it because it might be a little bit of a spoiler for later in the show. But Seven Wonders Duel it is a fantastic two-player game. You know, it's a two-player only, and it's uses a lot of the uh, mechanics from the seven-player game, Seven Wonders, but in a really uh, unique, tight two-player format. I'll also say I might give a shout-out to not a strictly two-player game, but I think that the game Everdell is a really good two-player. That's another one that I really like in two players. But favorite right now, Seven Wonders Duel. Both of those are really good games. And I think you can go back a couple of episodes and listen to what's probably Brian and mine uh, near favorite or favorite two-player game or effectively two-player game with Star Wars Rebellion. You can actually go and check out that whole uh, review of that game. And we'll have that link to that as well as links to these to the Everdell and Seven Wonders Duel if you want to find out more information on our website at wiscodice.com. So let's dive into what games have we been playing. So let's go ahead and start with you, Justin. What games have you been playing? One I have been playing recently is called After the Empire. It's from Gray Fox Games. And this is a, a unique tower defense worker placement game. So in the game, each player takes control of a kingdom in the medieval age. And during your action phase, you send out workers to gather resources and build new buildings into your kingdom um, and try to build up your realm, your region. Uh, but then after that action phase, every round invaders come and attack your castle. Uh, and you have a plastic castle pieces with walls and turrets uh, that you, you know, build up and the invaders will come and you have to set out your soldiers and your mercenaries against them to defend your castle. Hopefully do a good enough job that they don't tear down your walls and sack your castle. You're competing against your other players to have the most gold and glory at the end of the game. And uh, it's just a, a really unique take on this combination of 
the worker placement stuff that you might expect from other games, other uh, Euro games with this really cool uh, uh, tower defense system where you have to kind of plan out where you send your guys to defend and guess where which direction invaders might come from and stuff like that. Uh, really neat game uh, from Gray Fox Games. Sounds like a great one there. Hey, Brian, what have you been playing? Well, I've actually played quite a bit this time, but I guess the one I wanted to pick out is Roll for the Galaxy. I've actually only played it the one time, but I think it stuck out to me a lot. I really enjoyed playing it. Um, I guess the publisher's Rio Grande games. I guess there's, I haven't played it, but there's Race for the Galaxy also, but Roll for the Galaxy is like a dice version of it. And uh, I guess the idea is you're kind of building an empire and the dice represent like your, uh, the people essentially, your workers. And there's different dice with, different markers on them and you're rolling them to uh, either like build new, well not build, but gain new planets and discover new technologies and stuff like that. And you get scoring for building and like colonizing the planets or whatever. And then also a lot of the abilities you gain from those different planets and technologies affect the scoring. And I thought it was a pretty neat concept, like just the dice drafting kind of thing. And then, rolling them kind of puts the randomization into it and had a little bit of player action in there because the turns are divided into five phases and you can only pick one of those phases that you want for sure to happen and if somebody doesn't pick one one of the phases it doesn't happen that round and it was kind of a neat interaction game that way and rolling dice could be really fun we actually played it in board game arena but i thought it was pretty neat and i'm actually pretty excited and willing to play that one again I will say, I think Justin and I both will say that playing the physical copy where you can roll the dice for that one is much better than uh, the board game arena implementation. But uh, Certainly more satisfying to roll those dice in real life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I wanted to mention my game. Uh, Suzanne and I played Viticulture Essentials Edition for Board Game Brunch recently. Uh, if you don't know what Board Game Brunch is, it's uh, something that Suzanne and I do. We play a board game every Sunday and pair it with some type of food. So we uh, paired this game, which is all about making wine and manufacturing wine, uh, with... We had to sample some wine, of course, as well as a cheese, like a charcuterie tray of various cheeses and and nuts and fruit that we paired with it. It was a great, uh, great kind of combination and a great way to kind of t make our gameplay a little bit extra special when we're getting together on Sunday to play a, a game in the morning. In Viticulture, it's a, basically a worker placement game where you're placing... Uh, your workers and you're going to get various resources or be able to construct certain buildings in your player board and whatnot. And what's really neat and I found was interesting about this game when I wasn't uh, a little tippy from the wine anyways, was that uh, the main action board is separated into basically summer and winter actions. And so you, 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 during the round, you only have so many workers to place, and you have to really actively decide, do I want to commit these workers to doing summer actions, knowing that I won't be able to use them for winter actions, and uh, or do I want to hold them off and maybe not do use them for summer actions and use them for winter actions? 
Summer actions tend to be more about lo- planting fields, growing your grapes, uh, getting, you know, collecting resources, constructing, you know, some things. Uh, in winter games tend to, or winter games, winter, the winter season stuff is more about producing your wines, selling your wines, uh, and uh, mark, you know, those types of things. So it's uh, a very interesting little concept on a, on a not horrifically comp- complicated uh, worker placement game, but it's definitely worth checking out. And if you're into wine, it's a great one for you to pair with your wine that's not overtly complicated and something that would be a struggle for you to pick up. Okay, and with that, let's dive into our hobby corner. So uh, for our hobby corner, we're going to talk about what miniature hobby projects that we have been working on. So Brian, why don't we go ahead and start with you. What have you been doing? All right, I've been keeping up with my VC21 project. It's come together a little slowly than I might want to all the time, but I've had pretty good progress since our last episode. I'm very nearly done with my next set of zombies I've been working on. I think I just have like the bases left in like one color to finish up on them and that set will be done. So they're coming along slowly. Um, Maybe we'll get a game soon and kind of renew some of my uh, whatever effort into them. But I'm happy to see the progress. Uh, How about you? What have you been up to? Well, I I had a couple of questions there. So how many zombies are you painting in a batch? Is that like two? Is that five? Is that 40? Um, I'm doing five right now, and I'm kind of varying their flesh tones just to kind of get a kind of a mixed rabble unit going. So each set I'm doing is a little different, and this is like the first set. So, I'm, well, my first set of each color because it's the first unit I'm doing. So I think that's slowing me down a little bit because I don't know exactly how it's going to work out as I'm doing the flesh on them, which is kind of the main part. So I think it'll pick up a bit once I kind of get through all the colors I have planned. And then my second question, which is even more important, which is how does that secret conversion work project that you're working on, how, how's that coming? I still do not know what you're talking about. <laughs> are, are, could you be saying that you're maybe throwing in the towel? <laughs> uh, yeah, you can say that. Uh, I see. All right. I'll dive into what I've been working on then. <laughs> that, that's your hint, guys, for what the, the project should be that Brian is doing instead of painting zombies. So I've been working on uh, my bolt-action U.S. Infantry a little bit. I actually put some paint on them. i also been working on my era medieval uh, age uh, player boards. I really have bogged down and haven't been doing a lot of hobby I will just mention, I know I'm supposed to keep it to one, and I've already hit two. Uh, I did start painting on a vampire uh, for a Mordheim Ward band, and I actually put up a picture of that, my work-in-progress picture, uh, very recently on social media. And, uh, yeah, it's, I don't know, it seems silly, but it's kind of kind of fun working on a uh, something completely different, and we'll see how far I can actually stay motivated to actually complete a any of these projects by the time we record again but hey there's that <laughs> how's your bolt action force coming along uh i've got uh, one squad of 12 and another squad that's uh i think at like six or eight or something like that it's uh it's stalled 
Like my hobby is yeah. really just stalled entirely. I know you're having a rough time painting the same scheme over and over. <laughs> I just with the Batman. I've just been really busy with all the the projects for the podcast and work and and whatnot have kept me like super busy and I just don't have the same amount of time and honestly I've hit I hit these weird like I'll, and I'll go for two or three months where I just hit like and I think it's always about this time of year where I just lose my hobby mojo entirely and I just can't have a hard time getting miniatures painted I should go back and look at my because uh, I log all the models I paint every year I should go look at my <laughs> trackers and see I, I'm pretty pretty confident this this time of year as the spring it starts to get spring you have those spring cleaning projects you got those home, you know hey I, I got to take care of things outside with the yard and the house and yeah, I just have not had time to to paint like I I would like to yeah that happens to all of us I assume yeah, I think so. Makes it more good when you do get back to it, I guess. The real challenge will be see, to see how long with Justin on the show it, we go before he starts getting that painting bug. That's really going to be the big question. <laughs> yeah, It's funny you say that. Uh, <laughs> every time we, we start talking about this, you know, I, I keep thinking about I've got this uh, uh, set of of minis even though they're huge for the anachrony board game which are some really cool detailed minis that are just sitting in their plain gray state up there uh and i you know i you, you, you definitely put the put the thought in my head that i need to start thinking about that uh i actually picked up a copy of mansions of madness second edition recently at a good sale and you know, was looking at those minis and man, those things just beg to be painted. They're, they're just so cool looking. And that you, you might see me, you know, trying to branch out a little bit at some point. That's, that's definitely a possibility. <laughs> well, a couple of, and a couple of plus sides there. One, I do do a, like a paint teaching class. So, and I have all the stuff. So sometime when we can actually do in-person stuff and we can do that. Yeah, you're going to have to impart me with all your painting wisdom. Well, and that, that, that kit travels, so you don't have to travel. I can travel to you to help teach you because I push, push, prod, prod. Um, but uh, <laughs> the the other thing is there's a wealth of opportunities that are, I think when Brian and I got started painting miniatures and doing the hobby side of things uh, with our in- intro into Warhammer, the the tools and the products and the tutorials and everything that was out there at that time was basically non-existent i mean i'm we're talking nine late 90s you know what was on the internet i remember having a geocities website uh whatever geocities you know whatever the the geocities i don't even remember what those urls were anymore it's been that long god i'm dated now you know in my poorly coded framed html page um, for Warhammer, you know, my Warhammer Dwarf website that I had on GeoCities. Yay. Um, anyways, there was, there was nothing out there. And if you wanted to get miniature paint, well, you went to the game store and you bought Citadel paints, which the colors were good, but like there were no washes. You had inks that were really glossy and terrible and you had no idea what to do with them. And spilled all over your case and then you were pissed and never got them again. <laughs> there were, yeah, exactly. And then there were, there was no, uh, 
tutorials. There was no, I don't even know if YouTube was a thing yet, you know, when I started Warhammer, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah, I don't think so. It was, yeah, it was a lot of like trial and error and figure it out. And so now there's just, I mean, you go to the game store now, there's two, three different paint ranges on the, at the store and there's, uh, you know, what brushes do you use? What paint ranges do you use? What washes do you use? What, uh, you know, what other tools do you need? You know, there's a lot of that. So, uh, I've been trying to answer a lot of those questions, but, you know, having somebody new kind of go through that process and learn it, you know, I'm sure we'll find things that we can relate back to the show and, and back to you guys that are, you know, that are maybe thinking about doing entry level miniature hobby with, you know, maybe to enhance your board game or to, you know, like Justin, I think wants to, or to get into the other side of the miniature gaming with playing games like Warhammer and Batman Miniature Game and uh, Marvel Crisis Protocol and Bolt Action and all these other things that we do. So and that, that'll be that will be a fun experience, and I, that's definitely something I would love to dive in with you, Dustin. Yeah, no, I, I'm gonna have to think about uh, what would be a good first first project. You know, for I mean, uh, I I I did a little bit of painting back in the day when I was you know, into Warhammer 40 K and stuff, but you know, with, you know, uh, uh, I, it's been many, many years. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it, it, your point is, is well made. Like, yeah, I'm sure there's tons of great tutorials out there and stuff. And, you know, I, I see the same thing you do that, that the ranges of paints, there's all kinds of stuff. I remember too, like all there was, was, uh, was the, the games workshop stuff, you know, that's all that was used to be around. It was. And you know what we've just had? A classic unscripted Wisco Dice ramble. Good job, guys. <laughs> Woo! It was very informative. It was. Let's go ahead and jump into our main topic at this point. Let's talk about Board Game Arena. And let's start with the, the high-level BoardGameArena.com is uh, just uh, for those people who don't know what it is and have heard us talk about it uh, uh, in the past. It's a uh, online website for the most part it's free but you can i think chip them in like 20 bucks or something like that if you want to pay for a year or whatever to get a little bit a little bit more enhanced access and to contribute to their cause and funding for it much like uh, tabletopia or boardgameplay.com or yukada.de where you can go and play board games with that are in, in a virtual website form no special software, no programming, no anything like that necessary for you to go and enjoy these games. They're just there, and you can you know play against your friends. You can play against uh, other people that are on the platform. You can play all over the place. So that's that's basically Board Game Arena in a nutshell, what it is. What do we really like about Board Game Arena? My initial whatever way into the online game rooms through Tabletopia, and that's kind of more of like a simulator, I would is kind of how I refer to it, where like all the game components are like really modeled, and you're just kind of moving them around in a 3D environment. Versus, like in board game arena, it's really like kind of a virtual play of that game. Everything's set up to kind of just play in like the web browser there. So I think that like provides a lot of like streamlining, especially when you're not like really handling the components like. Everything you click on just clicks right on that space. You're not kind of juggling the little meeples or whatever, trying to put them where you want them. And I think that's kind of what 
how it stood out to me as kind of advantageous compared to like more of a simulator type. It's always run really smoothly too, and it hasn't been like a huge like resource drain like some of the other simulators can be. And I don't remember running into any like major problems. And I think we had like one bug in a game where like we broke it. I think we kind of did something dumb, <laughs> but like <laughs> we posted and like they responded to it like instantly. It was like the next turn we were on or something, and it, we had already restarted the game, but they were like right there to fix it, which was pretty amazing. But it's been pretty cool. I think that kind of transitions right into what Justin's uh, got here, at least in the show notes, about what he thinks is really cool about Board Game Arena. Again, to contrast against something like Tabletop Simulator, where you know you have the components in front of you, and it's your job to play the rules of the game, however the rules are written. You know, it's like playing the board game in real life when you move the pieces around. But with Board Game Arena, most games have a fair amount of automation if if not full automation for the game rules. So, you know, when I take an action, the resources I'm supposed to get, they come to me. Or when I move my piece, whatever it needs to trigger gets triggered by by the application. So, like, for me, that automation actually enhances the game because I can focus on, like, my strategy and the game more than, like, having to figure out or calculate things, right? So, like, if, if there's math involved, application does it for you don't have to think about it uh, you know if i'm supposed to pick up some certain number of resources like i don't have to worry about that it just comes to my player area and i have it so for the kind of games that i like which are often euro games with lots of resource gathering and things like that i think it just speeds things up and makes makes the game more fun than i can focus on the fun parts of the game and not the fiddly bits i think it's great for that I totally agree, and I was trying not to overlap with his comment on that. <laughs> I, I think you guys transitioned that really well together. So <laughs> it's great for a couple of things. Uh, it's great for its ability to, to organize, uh, and one of the things I don't think either of you mentioned was the ability to organize and, and create and run tournaments, whether that's uh, a friendly tournament that you want to run with your friends on a particular game you know maybe like you want to run a seven wonders duel or i've joked about maybe doing a draft thesaurus uh you know a tournament on that uh where you can you know pit you know maybe head-to-head games and you know whatever do it a bracket or or single elimination or however you want to do it you can there's a number of ways to build your tournaments and and do it but the other the other way to do it and i guess i, I wrote it in the notes a little bit wrong it's not uh, but it's basically you can play a game or many games, I'm playing many, many games on Board Game Arena right now, where when it's my turn, it sends me an email, and I go click, and I take my turn, and then, you know, some other random people somewhere in the world, when, you know, they'll get notified, and they take their turns, and, you know, you can control what the frequency is, you know, hey, do you want to you make this game a commit for one turn a day, or four turns a day, or you know, whatever, and then they have the you know a, a ranking system for players and whatnot, so that you can kind of you know if people join games and then drop all the time, well, you can, bait, you know, that affects the way they rank. So you can, you know, set up your game when you want to play a game like that, uh, so that you you know those people you know people that are poorly rated can't join your game, and and I like that. I really enjoy that. I think that's for me the most enjoyable thing about Board Game Arena is that it. It gives me an opportunity that while I'm, you know, sitting there during my work day or, uh, but I don't play games while I'm working, right? So 
course not. Of course not. But uh, you know, whether it's during the the day or you know, first thing in the morning after you know I've taken care of breakfast and whatnot, like, hey, I'm excited about like fire it up on my phone and take all my turns in the various games that I that are my turn and and that kind of thing. Or if I can't sleep at night, well, there's you know two o'clock in the morning, I can't sleep. I look at my phone. Hey, there's four games I can play. You know, where it's my turn. You know, hey, great, that's great for me. So. That that kind of thing is awesome for for uh, board game arena. The automate I will just kind of mention the automation pieces that I know the two of you have mentioned. Like I I really appreciate that and enjoy it. Uh, for me, uh, just as kind of a downside, I think when I play games where it's hey we organized a game night where we're all you know a virtual game night or we're we're all on a Discord or or uh, Google Meets or something like that, people just talk less during those games because there's too much automation and not that's true yeah yeah that's true you know we we lose a little bit of that social aspect but you know the gameplay itself is so much more smooth uh you know i'm not sure you know it's a toss-up if that's a bad thing or a good thing i guess it kind of depends on what you're trying to get together gaming wise for but yeah that's that's just a something i've observed with that automation that seems to happen yeah hey i wanted to ask you guys too so I don't do this too much. I, I generally, when I play in BGA, Board Game Arena, uh, I play with you guys or with other friends that I know. But obviously, um, you could jump into open games with strangers all you want. Uh, so do you guys use it for that too? Or you just, hey, I want to try this game out, jump in with some, uh, you know, to an open game. Um, I mean, I, I think that could be a big benefit for some people. I, I, I don't have any experience really using it that way, but do you guys use it for that at all uh, i jump into games with uh random people all the time in fact i i do it quite often i i think i'm in like 16 or 18 games right now on working arena <laughs> and no, i don't know anybody in, in any of them and i think the first game that was kind of cool is i played a, a game of through the ages and actually we finished the game and then immediately got invited to, and I won. I won the game. It was like my first win through the ages against, you know, more than two players. After winning the game, I was like, okay, you know, great game. Good, you know, send, you know, send everybody a good, you know, a good game compliment and whatever. And the next thing I knew, I had a invite by the same people, you know, for the same set of people that we played. We enjoyed playing the game together enough that we went and played another game of through the ages. And then I got curb stomped. Um, but, uh, <laughs> You know, I made my own mistakes, but anyways, it was it was really cool that we you know that happened, and we were you know, during that second game we were chatting back and forth quite a bit because there's a built-in chat engine, so that was it was really nice, and I've had that happen a couple more times. You know, I think uh, in those random pickup games, if the people playing are like, "Hey, we all enjoyed playing together. You want to play again?" You know, people are game yeah. to like they're happy to you know do that because. You know what you're you know you're gonna get you know an enjoyable game with people that you enjoyed playing with and those random pickup games in that case. How about you, Brian? Do you have you jumped on a random pickup games with that at all? Or? No, I haven't done that at all. Uh, yeah, I guess most of my time is just taken with our little game nights we organize with them. Like, kind of, I think like ride out a game. I think there was like a demo play or something you could do, and that was kind of neat. Like. If you're looking to like maybe buy a game too or something like that, you could kind of demo play it just to kind of see the components in a little bit of the play before oh, yeah. you actually sit down to play it with anybody. I've done that. That's cool. 
So I think we've all had, you know, slightly different experiences with, with the tool. So it'll be kind of interesting to, to hear about that as we dive into, uh, more about more, uh, board game arena. What are a few easy to learn games? So if you're coming into board game arena and have, you know, maybe you're not a, a big gamer, but you're, you're like a lot of people and just trying to find something that you can do socially that's not just staring at a webcam with your, you know, maybe your grandparents or parents and, and you want to do something a little more interactive. So, you know, kind of we wanted to pick out a, a couple of titles that you might find that are useful for, you know, that kind of entry, easy to learn uh, play that, you know, not only they're easy to learn, they're easy to teach but have enough meat in the game that it's actually a, a, you know, a fun and enjoyable board game experience. So, Brian, why don't you go ahead and get us kicked off? Yeah, I have a good one to get us kicked off here. Like, I feel it's a very easy entry level kind of for everyone game. I'm talking about Draftosaurus. Um, I can butcher some names here. It's published by Ankama. Um, I guess the designer is Antoine Bazo or something. <laughs> Corinton. LeBrot, uh, Ludovic Malblanc, and Theo Riviera, maybe. I probably butchered all those. Um, okay, now yeah. you have to tell yeah, us all the dinosaur name. names and butcher those too. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I was I maybe better at those. My elementary school learning would maybe pull me through there. <laughs> Kick but, in yeah, that. if you didn't get it from the name, this is, this is definitely a game about dinosaurs and then drafting those dinosaurs. Uh, it's a two to five players. Uh, it's a really, really quick game is another good reason to kind of have it on tap. Uh, it's only about like a 15 minute play or something for like a full playthrough. So the idea of the game is you're running a dinosaur zoo and you want to build the best zoo and have like the most people come and see your dinosaurs. Uh, it's kind of a really rudimentary way to describe it. It's kind of like Yahtzee style, but it really isn't. Um, there's, I think, five different types of dinosaurs in varying quantities. Some are, like, more, more rare than others. And uh, the game's divided into two rounds. And during a round, each player will pull out six random dinosaurs out of the bag. I guess in this case, on Board Game Arena, it draws them up for you. And I think that was actually one advantage that Ben, I think you mentioned it in our last game, is that they're dinosaur meeples, so you can actually kind of feel what they are if you were to be drawing out of the bag and trying to be sneaky or something like that. But it is a drafting game, so it might not have that big of an advantage, but I just thought that was kind of interesting to be drawing things that are kind of discernible by touch. But it would take some skill to do that anyway, getting sidetracked. So like any other draft thing, you're going to pick one of those, and then you'll pass the, them on to the next player until everybody picks one of the, well, you pick one of each set until you have in the first round and then you'll play a second round and, and picking them you're placing them on your board it's divided into a few different pens and the pens have uh, kind of different strategies or whatever rules for placing them in the pens and scoring so like uh, i give a few ideas like one i think you can just put like a single dinosaur of that type in there other ones are like you have to have couples of dinosaurs other pens you want to have like each dinosaur in there has to be unique to score it and stuff like that and then there's also like the river where you just can hook everybody if you kind of played and don't have a room to put your dinosaur in a better scoring 
and pen. Like I said, it's played over two rounds. The second round is the same as the first, and you just total up your score. The board based on the pens, and that's how they do it. There's little nuances. Um, you're only putting like 12 dinosaurs on your board, so it's, you're not using all those spots, so you can kind of do different pens. You'll have different dinosaurs every time, so there's a little bit of variance there. And then the board's also got two sides, so there's a summer and a winter side. And I think the winter side is supposed to be a little more kind of complex version of it. But yeah, all in all, it's very simple, kind of uh, all-comers kind of game and pretty easy to grasp. And it's pretty fun for like a in-between pickup thing, being only for 15 minutes. Do you guys have any opinions about it? Yeah, I think it is a simple game, but there's more strategy than it might appear at the, you know, at a quick glance. You know, there's some thinking that you got to do about which yeah. which dinosaurs I pick, where do I, where should I put them for, you know, the you know most points, the kind of thing, placing them so I don't mess myself up later. Like there, there's some thinking there too. Like it's a good, there's some strategy. Yeah, it's a really, really fun game. I've actually played this as a random pickup game now on BGA as a four-player, and it was fun. We were able to knock it out over the course of a couple of days. It's really, it is, as Brian mentioned, it's just 12 turns, really. Uh, so you, know, you pick a dinosaur, put it somewhere in your park, and then forget about it and wait for your turn, wait for it to notify you it's your turn again. That's basically super easy game for, you know, just random pickup game on, on it, and you know, it's dinosaurs. It's simple enough conceptually that, you know, if this is something you wanted to play with your kids too, well, here's a great way to play it, you know, while they're at their computers and won't take a ton of time so their attention spans uh, don't uh, completely fry out. I'm sure, Justin, you could tell us about children's attention spans while playing games to till we were blue in the face. <laughs> yeah. Brian and I are not experts in that category, so... <laughs> You know, you know, I, I, I'm getting them taught. Uh, my daughter just the other day asked to play uh, Dinosaur Island. She really enjoys Dinosaur Island and understands it. Uh, she's she is uh, ten. Yeah, that's actually one game she will she will request to play. So she's got some attention spans. <laughs> Future paleontologist, there, anyways. Yeah, maybe. Why don't Why don't you while you're at it? Why don't you tell us about Alhambra, Justin? Yeah, Alhambra. So uh, Alhambra uh, is a tiling game by Queen Games designers Dirk Hen. This is a classic game. It's been around for a long time. Spiel de Jar winner 2003. It's been around. And it's a really simple to learn game. You are basically building an Alhambra, which is like a sort of city, fortress, palace place comprised of all these different buildings by on your turn selecting from a set of different denominations of money sort of like representing different cultures they're different colors so on your turn you can pick a certain kind of money and then uh, your other choices to use that money that you've collected to purchase a tile to put into your alhambra it follows similar rules to other tiling games there's some rules about how you need to place tiles next to each other and you're attempting to collect and place the most tiles of a certain building type and be sort of the majority leader in that category in each of uh, three or so scoring rounds. Maybe it's it's quick, easy to learn, and you know it has that feature of 
building a little place that's my own that I built. I always appreciate that in a game. It's one, two, or I think, you know, it's not so complicated that you couldn't teach it to any family member. Uh, it quick to learn, quick to play, and uh, fairly satisfying in terms of, you know, laying your tiles and building the best little city that you can. Yeah, I think all of us have actually played this one. For my point of view, it's it, it's not a complex teach. It's not a complex game in, from a game perspective, but figuring out how to score the points and making ensuring that you have the most or, or second most uh, so that you can score points and then how you lay those tiles so that you can score your wall points and get all those, all these points together so that you can, you know, it's a, it's a little bit of a point salad game where you're going to end up with a score, you know, in the seventies, eighties, hundreds of points, uh, okay. at the end of the game. So you, you know, you're trying to weigh all these things and how I can do it. And, Ooh, I can't close off my little structure j- just too much. Super fun game. Super Super quick to learn, like I said, and it's relatively fast. Even with, I think the core game or the base game is like six players max, two to six, I think. So, mm-hmm. plenty, you know, even with a bigger group of like four, five, six players, you can pack this game easily into an hour. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And again, good choice on on BGA for for a quick play that's that's easy to learn. Yeah. Not nice thing about it again. With same thing with. The draft the source is there's just minimal downtime between your turn and the next player's turn. You, you draft the source, you're doing things kind of simultaneously. Whereas in Alhambra, yeah, you do have to wait for your turn, and the game state will change quite a bit by the time it's your turn. But there's not tons of things you can do on your turn. So, you know, your turns are quick. Yeah, it's true. I thought there was kind of like a good amount of player action in the game play of it, too. Like, whether you're like, who has what money at a certain time and what kind of what building will come up that they want. And then you can kind of see the trends for who you're competing against for the different building types for scoring and stuff like that. Yeah, so there's, like there's a little aspect of trying to edge out somebody for first place with mm-hmm. a particular building type, right? You're, you know, yep. you happen to yeah. have the right amount of money to get that. Oh, I'm now I can get the most purple buildings or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's some good player interaction for sure. Yeah, and the three rounds kind of build up like the scoring changes each round. It's not like the same, so it kind of builds and that kind of switches things around. Like, may, like people switch strategies kind of midway through when somebody else becomes more competitive in that category and stuff like that. And I thought that was like kind of the kind of player action I like where it's competitive, but you're not really like negatively affecting your opponents and stuff like that. So. I like that. So what that means, I'm going to translate that for Brian. Basically what that means is Brian definitely wants to play some dominant species with uh, me sometime very soon because it'll turn into a constant, why are you eating all of my little cubes? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I remember playing that quite a while ago. And I know I must have been lucky that people weren't eating all of me. <laughs> yeah. I will say that I, I just picked up Dominant Species Marine. That game is even more aggressive than the ba- the original. So at least I did from That's our first hard play. To believe. Oh my lord! Anyways, 
let's get I'll get you I'll get back on topic here because I've just derailed us. So Seven Wonders Duel I wanted to mention here. Uh, it's published by Repos Productions and was designed by Antoine Baza and Bruno Cathala. Basically, uh, in uh, Seven Wonders Duel, you're, it's a strictly a two-player game, thus the duel, and it's a light civilization game, real, real light on the theme there as far as the civilization. You do go through a series of ages, and uh, you have you know the concepts of like military and and civic buildings and and all of these things that they, that you can put into your you know card tableau of purchase cards that you've purchased and effectively what's uh the the big thing here is that it's a a card at drafting game so in the normal seven wonders you would play with three or more players and have a hand of cards and play you know choose one add it to your tableau and pass the cards well you can't really do that in a two player game you can kind of emulate it a little bit with like a fake player or something like that, but it's not the same card drafting. So you have this like tableau of cards that are on the board and you pick cards off the, off that tableau in a certain like mechanism or means that the game dictates and that will allow you to play the game. Now I did review this game actually back on the diary on Konzi's diary back in episode 45. I'll put the link in the show notes uh, which will be on our website at whiskerdice.com. So you guys, if you're interested in knowing more about this game and and how much fun it is, as Justin mentioned at the top of the show, Seven Wonders Duel is one of his favorite two-player games. Uh, it is also one of mine, and it's very well implemented on uh, Board Game Arena for those of you that want to play you know, little quick two-player games, whether that's uh, against your you know friends online or even in... Uh, tournament or arena mode on board game arena where you in arena mode you get matched up with various random people and can work your way up from bronze i think it's bronze or copper to uh gold player status in various games this one works really well i think as a as a tournament game too uh you know we've played some tournaments of this and uh, it, it works really well it's 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 a quick game. Uh, I think each game I've, I've played in the tournaments we played is satisfying uh, and intense. It's 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 a good one. Yep, it's probably the most complicated of the three easy to learn games that we have on here. But the nice thing about it is, since it's a duel and it's strictly a two player game, it lets you very easily just play with. Uh, one person, like you got that one really good friend that you learn games with or whatnot, this is a great candidate for that. And the actual online implementation plays uh, in Board Game Arena plays almost identically to how it plays on the board, on the tabletop. Uh, so it's very well translated. The only thing that you're, you're really not, you know, that it's the automation is doing for you is setting up the different ages and the tableau of the the game board setup you're actually still then doing most of the mechanical type things uh with you know dra- you know picking your card and then the game does yes auto tally your score and things like that but the there's not enough to the game where you're having to say collect all these worker meeples or collect these four wood or something like that it, it you don't have those components to it so it plays very much like the the real tabletop game is. That kind of gets us through all of the easy to play games that we wanted to mention for Board Game Arena and give you a little more detail about those. So hopefully they'll help you uh, picking some games to play. 
However, there were some games that we wanted to mention that were great for the more experienced gamer. I've got a short list that I'm just going to cover of my, of mine, but then I'll you know turn it over to Brian and Justin to mention any any games that they would like to just quick mention. But some of my favorites on Board Game Arena, and I've got a I guess the list is a little longer here. Terra Mystica, which is uh, my number one rated board game ever, if you didn't know it yet. Uh, Russian Railroads. It's been out of print for years, but I, it's coming back this year with the, under the title Ultimate Railroads here for U.S. distribution. So uh, really awesome game. It's worth picking up and, and, and owning in your board game collection. Clans of Caledonia. Love that game. Very similar mechanically to Terra Mystica in a lot of ways, but a different game. Mentioned through the ages uh, a bit earlier, but love that game on it. And Zolkin, number two game I, that I rated uh, overall that I, that I have ever played that I really enjoy. It's just I love the way the board looks. The you know the board. I, I looked at the board for Zolkin. It's like oh, is that you know kind kind of the board works with the big gears and stuff. Like it's uh, brought back flashbacks of playing Mousetrap as a kid, but it's definitely an adult <laughs> a full on brain burner adult board game so don't let its looks make you think it's a gimmick so that, those are the big games that i really like on board game arena that i wanted to make sure that we mentioned for those you know those of you that are experienced board gamers you maybe you know these games you've played these games before so there's a lot more to board game arena than just basic simple easy to learn games there's some really meaty games here Justin, did you have any other games you wanted to add maybe to that list that people want to check out on Board Game Arena? Yeah, I would just uh, point out Res Arcana, I think is well, really well implemented on BGA and actually pretty quick to learn, pretty easy to play as well. Uh, pretty fast game, uh, but but definitely you know more in that thinkier game category. And also uh, uh, Puerto Rico I played on BGA, which is a classic board game. So that one also I would point out. Yeah, I'd, I've actually never played Puerto Rico. I just bought a copy of it, and it's in my collection, <laughs> and then I realized it's minimum three-player, and I'm like, oh, crud. So I still haven't actually played it. So that's definitely Good a, one of those titles I'm looking forward to getting together. Brian, was there any, any games that you've played on Board Game Arena that, that you really liked? Going last, I can't think of any that you guys haven't already mentioned. Uh, I said Roll for the Galaxy earlier in the show. And I can't think of any other ones that are standing out that you guys haven't said already. Yeah, you mentioned at least one more that we didn't mention. So, yep, that's t- very cool. That's basically Board Game Arena in a nutshell. Uh, there's lots of games that are on it. Uh, we strongly recommend it as an interface for your online gaming enjoyment. And it's, I think, for me, and I'm just going to, as a final thought here from myself, it's definitely something that I will continue to use when I able, I'm able to go back to in-person board gaming uh, because it's it's a great, particularly for the ability to just play random people and, and or even playing my friends in a game where, hey, it's during the day or during, you know, during the evening when I can't necessarily get together with them, you know, like maybe maybe a couple of the other players have kids or or something like that, or we're just looking for something that, hey, let it shoot you an email when it's your turn, and we'll play it, and we'll get we'll get the game done in uh, you know a couple of, over the course of a couple of weeks. Uh, all of those things will definitely help it for me keep it into 
as a tool that I use to continue playing board games and uh, playing games in general. Any anything else you guys want to add for final thoughts? I don't know. No, I, th- I think, yeah, I feel the same way. I generally, you know, prefer in-person gaming. But, yeah, I think what sort of place it's taken uh, during the pandemic, I, I definitely will be using it as, as well, too, when it's when it's hard to coordinate with other people, can't get together in person for whatever reason. Uh, this is a great option. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you leave a review of this show wherever your favorite place is to find podcasts. Oh, and by the way, give us a like on our Facebook page. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Pinterest while you're at it. If you haven't looked recently, make sure you catch up on the blog at wiscodice.com. Hey, Brian, what's that site? Ah, oh, darn. I forget. Uh, Justin, what's our website again? Wiscodice.com. That's right. It's wiscodice.com. And until next time, everyone, peace out.